When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Caw, and this week I am joined by Michael Gannon and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Good, thanks, Daniel. How are you? Very good, thanks, Graham. Hi, very well. Very well. I just realised I sound a bit like a game show host there, sorry. That was a wee bit, bit Desel Connor. I'll try and... Keep the question simple, Daniel, we'll be all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best place to start this week, there's only one place to start, and that's got to be the Dundee game at Parkhead. Uh, Kaigo Furuhashi, Celtic's new hero. What did you make his performance? Hey, I, I was here on Sunday. I, um... I thought Kyogo was uh, was terrific. I can understand why the, the, the fans were going were going wild for him. Um, he was just really infectious. He was he was mad keen to get involved. He's running, his movement was was, was um, particularly impressive. Finishing was terrific. Um, it's about as close to the perfect home debut, or I say, as a perfect home debut you can make. Um, when he went off after his third goal to a standing ovation. Um, you can see what it meant to him as well. He's a quite a kind of, um, it looks like a very kind of motive kid, and he's, let's say, infectious. He just, he was just lapping it all up, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of his performance, it was excellent. Um, listen, I think as well that you have to have the, the passes to pick him out. I think it's sorry making good runs, but you need the supply line, and I think the supply to him was, was deadly as well. Um, but he was, this movement was, was terrific. He's got a lot of pace. He kind of goes into different areas. He must be a nightmare to play against for defenders because he's not a number. He's not a number nine in the traditional sense. Um, he can go wide, drop deep, and spin in behind, and he's, and he's so quick to cover up a lot of ground that he's leaving defenders in his wake. So I, I think it was a really, really, really impressive debut by the by the kid, and it's, and it's a kind of um, a lot of potential for what's to come. What What I was really impressed with Graham is obviously, as, as Mick says, he you know he had the physical attributes, his speed, movement. For me, it was his speed of thought. Do you know what I mean? You could see that he was one step ahead of the Dundee defenders. Yeah, that's that's a good way of saying it. I think Mick kind of got all the key points there. I think as a, a debut goes, a home debut, something like that was as, as perfect as it is. And instantly as well, like for all the, the hope that for the new way of playing under Postacol, you need to, fans need to see it sometimes as well. And for a performance to be that complete, obviously led by uh, Kyogo, the rest of the players are so it's very vibrant, very exciting to watch, and uh, that instantly kind of changes the dynamic. You know how it's all about. Obviously, the Hearts game, <clears throat> there was always a feeling that game was going to be tough. So losing that game, it was not ideal, but not unexpected either. But after the win uh, during the week, to follow up a performance like that, and as you say, Furuhashi, it was very quicker, quicker feet, but quicker mind. I think that's the thing. And Christy, not taking away a bad of Christy or any of the passes, but players have Kyogo's quality, obviously, 
he's always looking for the, the right pass as well. So uh, and his teammates were kind of on the same wavelength. It was uh, I know Dundee after the game. Like I know it's a stock answer like uh, James McPate, Charlie Adam, and uh, well, we could have done better. We were a bit, but the, the problem when Celtic are playing like that, there's not really much teams can do. It's, uh, they've got the players and they were playing at a level that's kind of hard to keep up with, and uh, so proved. I'm going to I'm going to stitch you up a wee bit here with a, a bit of a trivia question. The obviously it was a hat trick in his home debut. Who was the last Celtic player? Any idea? Well, he scored a hat trick in his home debut. Hat trick in his home debut. I, I can tell you it was on the eighth of November, nineteen twenty-four. Oh, it was a discrete. It was not originally with Celtic. It was. A, it was. Um, is it? Is it Brit, is it Finley? No. Close. William Fleming. Fleming. William Fleming. Although, did, is, there a, is there a discrepancy? Because I've read a couple of different... Uh, I think it was, was not talking about the actual the, the, the Celtic's first ever game. Someone's got a hat-trick. Ah, right, okay. Um, right, that's quite um, interesting. Uh, I was at school that day, so <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't get to see it. Didn't get to see it, eh? yeah, that's fair. Uh, you, uh, you, Graham, you touched on, uh, I think, Christie there. I thought Ryan Christie was absolutely brilliant at the weekend. Particularly, I, I think it was for Buruhashi's <laughs> last goal, the through ball. The, the thing that... I think quite important now about Christie as well was there's two, maybe two things going on here. The fact is that yes, he was brilliant, genuinely brilliant, and he was excellent the home game against Mitchell. But the same fans, in defence to some of the supporters who were maybe a wee bit peeved last season, he's tight. He's still a play when he burst on at the scene under Rogers. He was doing a lot of things that he was doing on Sunday. But last season, unfortunately, there was a lot. I think the whole team it was it was getting to a deadlock round about the box so he was forced into these shots and a lot of times a lot of big goals as well let's not say he wasn't but that maybe seven or eight nine shots a game it was excessive and that nobody, there's not many players on the planet that are going to hit the target consistently for that aim so there was it was a terrible season and that kind of was one of the kind of factors and you know who was it was a game last season who was, was it Falkirk or in the cup where they were tweeting as well like it was almost became a figure of fun which was ridiculous like, every ball was in the cup aye. He's a, he's a quality player and that's him at his best I think he suits a style of play like quick passing and then it's like there's almost no time to make, like that pass as great as it was it was like instant in your feet play Kyogo made the move and I think that style of football where often attacks were breaking down last season it's so pedestrian in the final third and then he's obviously the it's almost like basketball isn't it like shooting a three pointer and then he's hitting these shots at weird angles got in it that just gets it was a, it was a kind of bad um between the fans at home and so you know in social media, but that was Christie's best. I think he's an excellent player and he's playing like that. And, and there seems a feeling that he might potentially stick around longer by the looks of it. But I was going to ask that. Do you, do, do you guys think he'll sign a new contract? I wouldn't. I wouldn't write it off. I mean, listen. I think slightly unfairly. I think um, Christie's been lumped in with the kind of um, the want away brigade. Um, listen, it's an easy way of doing it. I think at the time it was Edward Ayer. Cham and Christie all went away. That that was kind of almost kind of became accepted fact. But I don't think that's actually the case. I don't think Ryan Christie's ever actually said I want to go away. He's, he's never agitated for a move or or insinuated to Celtic that yeah, that was his plan. I think his long term hopes. I think he's always thought maybe playing England at some point. Yeah. But he's not going to go just for the sake of going. He's not going to go to a club he doesn't really want to be going to. He's going to go to some. Um, Middle of the road side isn't really fancy. He knows he's at a, a, a good club just now, um, so I don't. I don't think it's been fair to get to label Christie as this one away. This I know it's a, a very tabloid phrase. I want away Celtic star and all that nonsense, but it's complete nonsense. He's never actually said that. Um, and I think if Celtic, if Celtic, I think if if if, if Ange Postecoglou 
what's well, become part of his of his team going forward, and, and the Celtic board come forward with some sort of decent offer for him um, contractually. I I wouldn't be surprised if he signed it. I think I think he's he's not a guy to go look for the grass is greener unless it's a, a, a really attractive move. If it's a top ten team in England, then yeah, I think I could see him I could see him going. If that doesn't transpire, I mean I think what what about Burnley and you know, these kind of clubs? I don't I don't see him going to Burnley. I don't see him that's I don't think that's what he would fancy. I don't think he's he's particularly money oriented either. I mean listen it's easy saying that these guys earn great money. I mean, compared to, to most people, certainly compared to us, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's his big motivation. I don't think he's chasing big bucks. I don't think if a, if a big team in the championship said he'll double your money and come and play with us, I I, I'm not sure that would, be, would entice him. So he's, he's, I think, I think there's a deal to be done there. Um, it depends on whether or not he, he buys into the manager's vision. And the board can match it as well, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't surprise me if if he does end up signing a new deal. Um, but then again, it also wouldn't surprise me if a, if a club, a, a really decent club down in England, say right, no, we're going to go and get him because he get him for a decent price right now. The other thing as well, I think Mick's bang on about getting lumped in, but there's two sets of quotes. His dad spoke last summer about his ambition that at almost a bad time, and it was about four weeks out to the Faros game, which is obviously the night Lennon. We've got players that want to leave. Christy was a name. And then even after the Hibs, the Twitch game, I remember it's in the Sunday Mail, and Lennon addressed Christy about his ambition, and I know he would like to maybe go down and play. So that's always been not just paper spit or however you would label it, it's like there's been his dad, his manager at the time, obviously making it clear. But I, I think the way Mix explained it, I think that's bang on where I don't think he's going to rush away, he's agitating for a move, but if the right move doesn't come up, I think he'd be obviously keen to maybe stick around with Celtic. I think some people jumped on I mean that that, that piece with, with Charlie, Charlie Christie, his dad. I think some people jumped on that as well and, and, and it's a wee bit out of context as well because wanting to play in England at some point in your career, I don't think it doesn't always mean I want to play in England right this minute or right now yeah. um, and it's not just playing England because if, if Leighton Orient come in for him he's not going to go to Leighton Orient I mean no offence to Leighton Orient I've, I've been there it's not a bad little club <laughs> uh, a few quid now as well actually <laughs> I should say but you know what I mean he's not going to take any move so playing England is, is, is kind of is a, is a kind of shorthand for what now and I don't think that was the case and I don't think it is the case his contract runs out in January, doesn't it? Strangely, yeah. Weirdly, it's, weirdly, it's been. I think there's been a bit. I think I think it get lost in the wash as well. With last season, because remember last January, Celtic were running about the hair and fire. It was the kind of the kind of dying embers of, of Neil Lennon's um, reign. Not real. Don't really know what's happening with a new manager at that point in time. So he's got a year to go. That's when the, the contract talks would be starting to, to take place. But the manager's gone. They're waiting for Eddie Howe to come in, and and understandably waiting to see if Howe would fancy. Um, what he's got there, um, how collapsed the new manager come in. So I, I think it's been a wee bit lost in the wash. The fact that his contract's now ticking down, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think you ever accuse him of taking a foot off the guy. I mean, you look at certain players and you think he's he's out he's out of there and he's not, not perhaps busting a gut. You can never accuse Ryan Christie of not to, uh, trying hundred percent at any point in time. If anything, to me, it's the opposite. It looks like he's really come back and he's. He's, think, he's always been like that, though. That's, that's the kind of player he is. That's why, that's why Graham touched on it. Ben Rodgers loved him because he's got the engine to put in a almighty shift in terms of the, the kind of the high pressing game he liked to play. But he's got quality as well. I mean, usually when you get a quality player, you don't want them running about all day because your your quality suffers when you're knackered. Basically, that the ability to look up and throw the ball is diminished when your legs are like jelly. 
what I mean? But Christie's got that combination. He can run about all day. He's got the physicality. He's got a bit of dig about him as well. He's um, he's no longer the nice little kid we, we knew from the Inverness days. But he's a wee bit too nice now. He's got a bit of dig about him. He'll chase down after lost causes and do the high pressing, but still have the, the energy to, to, to pick a ball as well. If Celtic wanted to go and buy Ryan Christie at this point in time, they couldn't afford him. So it makes absolutely sense to me to give him a new contract as soon as possible. The thing with Christie as well, with the Rangers and Celtic argument, like you've got last season, every Celtic player was bad because the team was bad. Obviously, that's not the case, but there's a downer on players, previously Rangers, and then even now, start the season, we sure the players are as good as they were at Ibrox, right? That's maybe the argument or the, the way things are looking. But things turn quickly. But Christie, the way he's described them, you don't get players like that high energy, plenty of chance he's created, he's honest, like he's a really top level player, there's a strong argument, everyone playing their best in Scottish football say over a three month period, he's got the most intangible, like just the, the makeup of his skill set is so unique, like, and I think that could be the biggest difference for Celtic, I know they talk about buying players, but Celtic could afford not to buy maybe another central striker, right, but maybe not another winger, then you go in more money in a right back and a left back and whatever the money gets reinvested, like, I know you obviously need to pay for a new contract, but uh, it could be a massive moment this season because there's no guarantees that Celtic are going to be perfect this season. There's going to be still a lot of teething problems, but I think there was enough in the last couple of games to prove they might be pretty decent. And keeping a guy like Christie around for this season could be absolutely massive in terms of winning the league or and, and or qualifying to the Champions League next season, which are the two main goals by far. Well, that's a quick big question. Where does Christie play? I just like him in the left. I, I, but then for the he might go to the left. Where, 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 what position does he actually play? That's, I mean, if you play four or five roles, equally as good. If yeah. you play on the right, I mean, you know, he plays really well on the right. He can cut inside. Very dangerous. He can play out in the left, play centrally. He can play up front. He's played up front. He played up front a lot of times yeah. in his last season. Um, you can you can buy him. Right. I can't to buy Ryan Christie right now. As you, you just said, Graham, a couple, of, a couple of his balls for the left at the weekend in particular were, were absolutely brilliant. It takes the pressure off him, that. It takes the pressure away. If it, do you know the problems last season? Always on the right-hand side, cutting in and shooting. Mm. That, that, there was such an onus on He was a creative player. That was, But at least on the left, yeah, even when he beat uh, for Furuhashi's second goal, um, I just we passed it. It's like an old-school winger, just going like Ryan Giggs or something, knocking it past and running, then a ball across. It was, uh, it was good to watch. One play, one player um, in the Celtic team that I need, I need to hold my hands up because I've given him a bit of stick. I think on this podcast as well, but he deserves a lot of a lot of praise. Rather uh, easy enough for me to say, Anthony Ralston. Um, I think a lot of Celtic fans in the same boat didn't think he'd perhaps be good enough to make it, but he's putting a real shift and he looks to be developing another excellent goal at the weekend. Brilliant goal at Tynecastle, and look, he's taking his chance, you know, and he, and he's that's that's all he can do really. Oh, certainly, listen, I don't think anyone thinks that, that Anthony Ralph is going to be the long-term solution at right back. I, 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 I would think that even he thinks it's going to be unlikely to be the long-term solution at right back. But he's done really well, listen. He's, 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 he's a good, honest pro, Anthony, isn't he? I mean, he doesn't have to get stuck in. And I, I think I mentioned in the podcast recently, it's, he's been asked to do a pretty tough job. I mean, that, that role at fullback in this, this current um, uh, formation and way of playing is really, really tough. Right. Asking, asking, I mean, it's asking the hipsters. You boys are more hipster than me, being <laughs> um, young guns. But the kind of inverted, the inverted fullback kind of role. There's not many clubs that play it in the world, and, and that's for a reason because it's brutal. I mean, you're asking fullbacks to, to take a ball in the half turn and all that stuff. 
which is not in a comfort zone. I feel bad. Plays a wall pass and then chases him behind. Not get thirty yards in front of him, he'll chase it. Um, that's that's what footballers are taught to do from a young age. So he's having to learn. He's having to really learn the game practically under this new formation. And he's done really well. I mean, he's popped up with two two big goals. His goal at the weekend was was cracking. Um, and listen, there's, t- there's tougher tests ahead. Listen, he could he could look at the goal over to Blanc last week and think he was a wee bit opposition, but that's what he's told to play. And it's a danger of that 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 formation that he can get caught in the kind of fullback areas if it goes wrong. So I, I still think Celtic will, will recruit a right back and probably a left back as well. But in the meantime, he, he has he's, he's got stuck in and he's done really well. And you've got to give him praise at the moment. So for, for ages, Celtic, the big recruitment drive, it was two right backs were needed, but definitely not. Like if you're, you don't want to buy all your players in one summer as well, that would be. So there's, without a doubt, he's been able to prove he's capable of being a, a solid backup and a contributor. Because there's times where injuries happen, he's already played a run of games, so if he needs to play four or five games in November or February, um, he, he's capable. He is, there was a big hype about him, Mick will probably be able to keep you right, maybe, I, I don't know if it was a pure hidden name, but I think it might have been Lee McCulloch back a few years ago, was convinced he was going to be like the right side of Kieran Tierney. There was big hype of him, and I think it was when he was on at Kilmarnock, and if he was, was it Kilmarnock, I might be wrong, but there was belief that he had that Kieran Tierney, and it's maybe not proven to be the case, but I think there's been enough about him in the last few games to show that players are never really kind of fully it's, it's too easy to write players off because there's, there's something there he's, he's more than capable he's a decent contributor a couple of goals as well you can't want that like they're, they're good finish both goals are crackers if that was I think it was Brendan Rodgers actually said he was like the new Darren McGrain I think I might be wrong <laughs> <laughs> I can vaguely remember Rodgers talking about him in the same sentence as, as Darren McGrain Um <laughs> Before he before he launched him into the deep end against PSG, that did he win Which was which is the most the most thankful of thankless of thankless tasks you'll ever see in your in your life. Um, but he, he'd done his best in that night as well. It was a tough old shift that one. I just I just think in the age of like social media, you know, you you guys will have seen it as well, taking a lot of stick and ah, uh, you know, need a new right back, blah blah blah. And I just love the way he's kind of bounced back and taking it in his stride and as we say, played really well. Um, so we mentioned, uh, you mentioned there, Mick, uh, um, Celtics winning the Czech Republic. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday. The return match is, is on Thursday evening. You'd expect Celtic to to see them to see off. I was saying Jablonic, Jablonic. Am I getting that right? I see Jablonic as well, but uh... Graham's face there was it was sceptical. I'll just not. The Czech Jacks. Just keep it simple. Tabloid terms. Either way, Celtic should get through that, shouldn't they? Oh, they should, they should do. I mean, they looked pretty limited. I mean, they had a wee spell after half-time last week when they kind of, I think their manager said to them at half-time, listen, you're going to get horsed here by five or six unless you try and get a bit of, a bit of spirit. And they gave it a go, didn't they, for a, for a wee spell. Um, the goal Celtic conceded to Burnley great, so it made it a bit more kind of um, respectful result. But Celtic should, and they will, I think they will be more comfortable um, at Celtic Park. Big crowd, big pitch, a bit of confidence from the weekend. I think it's an opportunity to, to keep the momentum going for Celtic. They, they really should be... I'm not, I'm not saying you can expect to go and wipe the floor with this, this team, but they should be fairly comfortable and it should be a, a pretty straightforward evening and a chance to kind of say, keep that momentum going, keep that confidence rolling at the weekend. I don't think I don't think we're getting too ahead of ourselves then by saying or having one eye on AZ Altmar in the Europa League, um, the playoff round. They've not even played a league game yet. they played their first league game this weekend. 
could that benefit Celtic Jink? Yeah, I would I would say so. I think uh, Altmar as well. It's, it's an interesting test this Celtic because they've been quite. They, they basically were they were a good bet to win the league before COVID shut it down the season before last. And um, I remember watching how they, they beat Ajax in the Amsterdam Arena or Johan Cruyff Stadium, whatever you call it. And um, yeah, they were excellent. And then last season they kind of dipped a wee bit, but they've got decent. They've been kind of established themselves as that kind of nearly right now the last couple of years and about final as well. So that's a good level for Celtic to test themselves. Maybe a Dutch team that style of football might suit Celtic better. There'll be a lot of like two teams playing the game probably the way most people enjoy watching it. So uh, I think that's going to be an excellent tie. And I think that's really a, a really good measuring stick for Celtic. I don't think there's any. Guy, there'll be more skilled in Michelin anyway, there'll be more danger in the final third, but Celtic should as well, you'd imagine if their moments in the ties were, I think, but again, they obviously need to see it off, the one thing about uh, Jablonets, um Well said. <laughs> um, I found they didn't have any of the kind of streetwise, like the, the two Prague sides last year, that Celtic and eventually the Angels struggled with as well, they were very quite streetwise, I thought they, that there was none of that again the other night, Celtic were just it was like I felt like they were playing a team in the championship, a cup game at times. I don't know. It was just it was loads of chances, like really like four or five players open all the time. So um, I will, will. I would imagine Celtic would be too much for that on Thursday night. What like this? I mean, this is kind of. I think a lot of fans feel this way. That the question I'm going to ask: like, what, what is? What do you think the financial drop off is between Europa League and Conference League? I mean, I get you don't want to be. I mean, generally you don't want to be in the Conference League, do you? But is is there a massive financial drop off? Do you think? Not, not particularly in terms because the money you get in terms of the rewards and kind of points and places and all that stuff <clears throat> isn't that much different. And that's not where, where the teams like Celtic make their money in, that, in these competitions. It's it's the fact that you can get the full houses in, right. you can get the folk um, buying the buying the ties and all that stuff. It's it's that because if you guarantee if you get if you get um, say group stages and a couple of, maybe a knockout tie or a playoff, you may get six home ties. Celtic kind of bank about about two and a half million quid for every home tie. So now that the crowds are back, you, they're still going to make that kind of money from from regardless of competition if they sell out. The only problem would be is if they get a draw and it's teams with just a collection of bills. I mean, they don't know who they are. No. It's a harder sell. Do you know what I mean to get to get tickets sold? I think on the back of the, the kind of year eighteen months of not being able to go to games, I think fans will want to go to games no matter who it's against. No. If you're playing against Josie Giants in the, Europa, in the Europa Conference League, and I think they'll turn up to see it purely because they starved the football for so long. So I think this year it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a financial cliff for enough if you don't make the the, um, the Europa League, uh, the Conference League. Is it less is it Europa League Conference or Europa League Conference League? I can never work out. Europa Conference League, I think it is. Aye, the Vanarama League or something like that. Um, I don't think it matters. I think in terms of finances. I don't think the difference is, is going to be so substantial, to be honest with you. In terms of prestige, yeah, different ball game. But listen, if Celtic got if Celtic didn't get past Altmar, which is by the way, on the balance probabilities at this stage in the rebuild, it's probably more likely they wouldn't get past Altmar. So they'd be going to straight at the group stages of the the, the, the Vanarama. If they get through that and get a few knockout ties, I think people will be quite excited by that. Um obviously you're looking way down the line. Um, but um, it could it could give it a few uh, enjoyable evenings uh, and make a few quid in terms of getting Celtic Park full again. Um, it's not where Celtic see themselves or would want to be, but it wouldn't be a disaster in terms of if it did get a run in it, 
and got some coefficient points, kept, keep ticking over. It's actually probably easy to get them in that division, mm. although you get slightly less. And listen, I'm not going to the, the, the calculator stuff with the, the coefficients. But it wouldn't damage us too much in terms of losing our place in the, the pecking order and keeping that second Champions League spot in, in the next couple of years and that kind of thing. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an absolute disaster. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, slightly less glamorous, uh, but not a complete and utter waste of time. We should uh, finish off today's podcast, as ever, by talking about some of the transfer targets that have been mentioned this week. Uh, in the record just today, obviously, I think I'm saying it right, Thomas Henri, uh, the French striker playing in Belgium, 21 goals in 31 games last season. Looks like a big sort of target man, different kind of striker to what Celtic have got. Seven million quid, though, is, is the sort of price tag. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's. Um, I've got to be honest. I watched Lucky of the Y Scout and all that. So straight on that. And you love the Y Scout, brilliant. So instead of just watching it on YouTube, when you watch an Insta, you're an actual scout. That means there's a big difference to the YouTube. None of the cheesy music. It's a proper scout, immersive scouting experience. But his hold up play is excellent. It's really, really good. Being paid by them here, Youngie, you get a, you get a wee kickback here from from Y Scout. <laughs> I put my hat on. <laughs> then, I sound like you're being branded. Yeah, that sounded quite good. I know, uh, but I've got to be honest. I thought he's hold up plays excellent. Like that's as big, like as important as it. These target men style players, like loads of wee layoffs. He understands turning and rolling, and looks quite similar to the way maybe Celtic try to play. I think as good as Furuhashi was on Sunday, you ask maybe a player if he starts trying to play fifty games through the middle might be a bit of a bit of a stretch. So I think that mix and match with players in and out would work, but. If you're going for a target still strike, you you can see why he would appeal. That uh, definitely, like he's got the goals, different type of good good in the air. And one of the arguments, well, some made a good point that Postecoglou, when he was Australia manager, a lot of it was made up of balls into the box with Cahill and other players. So he was big and high what aerial crosses. Where that's not been part of Celtic. Why would it? Because there's been no one to get the ball in. So that you might see a slightly different. I don't think they're going to become a long ball team, but when they're on the final third, you might see more. Balls across the box because that's that was a kind of way they played as well. So, and look, if Celtic do sign uh, this Henri or you know a striker of his ilk, I was talked Griffiths to death. But Albin Ayeti, he looks now like he's just not getting a look in either. He's, I mean, is it fair to say he's probably, probably not going to make it at Celtic? Yeah, listen, watch that game on Sunday and and see if you can find find a way that that, that Griffiths or Ayeti could play in that that formation and style. No, I can't. I, as much as I think guys like, I mean, so I think Griffiths is maybe have used up his lives at, at Celtic. I don't know. I know he got a new contract, but um, that kind of high pressing from the front type thing, it's not, it's not his game. Ayeti, I don't think either. He's not, he's not that kind of player. He's just he's a kind of, I'm not entirely sure what Ayeti actually brings really, to be honest with you, not seen so far, but in terms of he's not, he's not a guy who runs about non-stop for 90 minutes, that's for sure. Uh, so uh, the right move in the wall I think uh, for, for those two uh, one, of, uh, one of the biggest mistakes maybe there's been taught Celtic recruitment mistakes but if they could even have just get a Yeti in a loan deal last season while on a permanent obviously it's tight in with Ivan Tony stuff as well and it's, it just compounds the, the deal but it, someone like, like Klamala right you could see the appeal of someone like that maybe away in Europe right and I know he went by a striker to play away but he was never quite there right? he seems to be doing fine in the MLS hard working player maybe he would have been better in the squad but yeah he, like, he's like a striker for the bygone era like he's something for 20 years ago where the ball just came into the box and he's like a budget Gary Hooper that's what he reminded me at the time like 
Gary Hooper, but not quite sharp. Do you know what I mean? Gary Hooper come back for an injury. That's yep. what he said to me. That was a couple of price. <laughs> I know. That's the type of player, honestly. Watch like, the budget, Gary Hooper. Exactly, that's it. So I think uh, just in terms of play, like, you need to, Celtic obviously need to get recruitment right. and uh, Obviously, Furuhashi and Abada look much better fits than the way Postacoglu plays, as does on on as funny as well. Even last night, like, you see them, you're just thinking Henry, isn't it? Just used it then, obviously, put the French twang on it. And, Tom, Tom Henry. Like, Tom Henry, aye. When I said when I said on read there, I, I was actually my toes were covering. No, but that is it's like it's different, isn't it? When it's obviously Tom Henry and the Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my on my little transfer notes here, I've got. Um, I just wanted to get both your take on. Obviously, we know Joe Hart and uh, James uh, McCarthy. Were you surprised about the length of deals for them both? I think it was three years for Hart, four years for McCarthy. I just I thought it was quite quite you know long deals for both of them. I was a wee bit, yeah. I was a wee bit. I mean, I mean, Joe Hart's thirty-four. The goalkeeper, he's only a he's only a bairn, really. So that's not that's not a, a, um, a that big a surprise. It's a long-term commitment, but that's 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 how you get these guys. I mean, Joe Hart would have had interest in England, but to commit to him for three years is saying, right, we believe in you. You want to be a big part of this this club in the future. So that, I can see that McCarthy again. He's thirty. He's thirty-one in November. Four-year deal is a long deal, but again, there would have been interest in him as well. I mean, he still played 20 games last year in the, the top flight in England. Very highly regarded. He's been fit. I mean, this, there's another kind of narrative that's been allowed to take hold that he's injury-prone. Uh, and, I, and I get, I get it. He's la, his last season at Everton, before he got injured, he was out and out with injuries, then he got a broken leg. So he lost a couple of years of his career. Um, he came back at Palace, played a full season. I think, I think he played 40 games. Last season he only played twenty, but he only had maybe one a wee, two a wee niggling knocks. But not, it wasn't. He didn't spend the whole year on the treatment table. He was fit. He just didn't quite fit in the way that the Crystal Palace were were, quite, were playing that season, which is it happens. Um, but talking a guy who's has proved himself for 12, 13 years in the top flight in England. So he's a quality operator, and he just needs matches and needs to play. Is he going to play 50, 60 games like Callum McGregor? I, I would doubt it. Um, purely because he has a lot of kind of uh, miles on the clock, and this is a guy who played first team at Hamilton at 15 years old. He yeah. played 150 games before he was 19. That's crazy. Um, it might be that's caught up with him a wee bit. It, I mean, that's a great thing in terms of your career, but it can also have an adverse effect. I think we've seen a wee bit with Kieran Tierney as well. 150 appearances by 19 has had a career maybe a wee bit of struggle with his injuries. So in England, I think Michael Owen was another one, burst in, played a lot of games before he was 20, suffered a wee bit down the line. Maybe he's got like, overexposure at a young age, he's caught up with him a wee bit, but he'll be given, he's, he's got a bit of scope now at Celtic, it's this four-year deal, we can play 25, 30 games a season for Celtic, um, especially in the, in the games that are in European level games and big games in Scotland. He's a guy who knows what he's doing, he can play that kind of number six role I mean, as good as anyone in the last 10 years. So I think he'd be quality. I'll be interested to see how he does fitness-wise, obviously. I, I'm a big fan. I think the deal, there's obviously an element of this with McCarthy. Just Max kind of summed, summed it up perfectly, the amount of games he's played and so forth. But I just get a feeling that if he plays an offer that there's no, he just has a run. Like, he's just classy. And I think when McGregor will feel so comfortable with him as well. But Sorrow, to be fair, Sorrow's just a bit reckless, right? He's no... But there's plenty in depth. I thought he was all right. I mean, uh, the the public there, to be fair, I thought he had a decent enough game. But if you take his games down, like McCarthy, just, you can imagine Ibrooks. To me, Ibrooks last season, the game, 
probably should have won. Um, where Soros started and Brown came off the bench, right? Both of them were incomplete. Brown passed his best, Soros decent, but a bit kind of inexperienced. There's something like McCarthy's the best of both worlds where you get plenty of ability, but you've also, I think, get plenty off. And I just think that midfield, with Ryan Jack, if Ryan Jack's, in my opinion, so important to the way Rangers play, I think everybody's opinion is excellent. Uh, so you've got McGregor and McCarthy can carry that fight. Celtic need to be strong when they go to Ibrox. They can't just, they might have an idea how football should be played and Felix, but you've got to win the individual battles. I know it's cliche, but it's so true, especially in the away games. And um, I think McCarthy, can, that's when you'll find him straight into the European games. That if he can get going soon, he's, he's a, a fixture at Ibrox and then into the European, either Europe League or uh, Conference League, then I think it could be a really inspired signing. But the deal, you maybe need to pay that extra year as well because there might have been competition. I'm not saying it's, but oh. sometimes these are the things that get you over the line. Do you well, know what I mean? Probably a bit of maths involved as well because a, a two year deal on X or a four year deal on Y, and it's probably X is half, Y is half of X. Aye, so there's a bit of that as well. And, and you can see how it goes as it goes along. If it gets two years on the line and it's I mean, you're doing well, it's, it's a great bit of business. But you can, you can always change it as well. So I, I can understand it. Um, and it's him it might be McCarthy saying you know what I want to finish my career at Celtic I wanted to play here all my days I want to finish my career at Celtic that'll take up to nearly 35 maybe they'll keep going after that I just don't know but he might see that as his last his last contract and he wants to be part of Celtic for the next four years which would be both parties um, he's a quality player it just depends on, on how much he's got left in the tank that's all right. um, I think it's important to finish guys this week by saying that on Sunday we have the first full house pack at Celtic Park, I think, since March 2020, if I'm not mistaken, the St Mirren game. It's in the, the Premier Sports last 16, Premier Sports Cup, I should say, against Hearts. Um, generally, just brilliant to have um, clubs confirming that they've got full house again. Yeah? It is, yeah. It's, um, you, can, you can see a difference last weekend. Uh, actually, the Dundee game in 25,000, you can actually feel a difference. And I think Celtic can feel a difference as well. Um, I think especially got a head of steam going up you could see the, the, the kind of electricity it, it created in the ground um, so it, I think Celtic did suffer last season with no crowds um, I don't think it's an excuse because it's um, it's an easy one to kind of point to I think they did point to it quite a few times through the season but there's no doubt that it was flat at all times and and that Instead of part when it's full, it does intimidate other teams as well. I mean, you've seen teams kind of crumbling uh, in the atmosphere, so it, it does make a big difference. Um, listen, the most, the biggest difference it makes is to, is to the fans. I know, listen, we can cliches about twelfth man and all that, and teams and managers and players will say, "Oh, it's great," but see, the most thing is, is people want to see their team. It's people who paid massive amounts of money last year to sit watching the telly and on laptops and all that stuff. It's it's allowing them to get back to that they're. I'm not saying it's, that. it's more than a hobby it's a way of life to some people and it gets them back in to cheer their team on and that means a lot to them far more than it means to any player who might like a bit of a sing song in the background uh, and a bit of kind of inspiration but for people who have, have stump up cash to go and watch their team it's, it's, it's they're, they're, you can see it, sense it on Sunday folk just delighted to be back in their seats seeing their pals again they haven't seen them for a while the folk they, don't, they can't stand two seats down listening to them for 90 minutes but all that is all part of the, of the game the, the, the biggest thing for me is that is, is for the punters to get back in their seats and get back cheering their team on is, is absolutely brilliant because it's been a long kind of 18 months of, of kind of misery for folk watching it in the house with laptops and all this, this nonsense uh, it's just a, bit, a return to normality and, and back to the 
the, the atmospheres we're used to in Scotland. And good chance for a bit of revenge after losing the Hearts just just last week as well. well definitely, well, that's that exactly. And I think I think revenge probably this stage of the season. But I think a team like Hearts will be decent. Um, Celtic last season as well. Obviously, the the no trophies after all the trophies for four years. I think that's quite important as well to to stay in all the competition. It's a good, it's a, it's a really challenging game for this last sixteen stage to ride. So uh, I think it's quite, I'll be, I'll be especially coming back off the European game as well. So uh, a good game to keep coming non-stop. It's good, good to watch. Guys, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's my favourite time of the week sitting down with you guys for the, the Celtic podcast. I'm already counting down the minutes to next week. Um, but it's been a pleasure uh, Michael thanks very much I'm going to say the best thing I need me finish for you guys yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking the best part of it I get to, I get to see you with your clowns <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's been it's been a pleasure and Graham thanks very much no worries Daniel take care mate and I'll, I'll as I say I'll hopefully speak to you again next week and uh, thanks very much for listening